They usually come suddenly and take you by surprise. They tend to fill our hearts with fear. They will test your faith. And they will cause you to cry out to the Lord for help. What are they? The storms of life. Have the storms of life invaded your life? Have storms invaded someone you know? You might say, well, what are you talking about, Bill? What kind of storms? Well, how about the storm of illness? Maybe illness has invaded your life. Perhaps a sudden sickness. Maybe a chronic ongoing battle with a sickness. Perhaps the storm of death. Experience the death of a loved one. The death of a child. The death of a partner. Especially one who went home way too early. Someone you know experienced the storm of rejection. You know the one I'm talking about. Divorce. Separation. Abandonment, loneliness, maybe none of those, but you have experienced the storm of unjust criticism. Somebody stabbed you in the back lately? That can feel like a storm. Maybe the storm of emotional trauma. Maybe there's just a hatred you can't get rid of. Maybe you can't control your anger. Maybe there is so much resentment and so much bitterness in your life, it feels like you're constantly in a storm. Maybe it's the storm of physical loss. Maybe you've experienced the loss of a home, the loss of a job, maybe the loss of money. Maybe it's been the storm of an accident. An accident which by its very nature, in one single instance, changed the course of your life. Have you experienced a storm? Maybe you're in the midst of one right now. If you answered yes to any of those questions, there are two things I want you to be assured of. One is, storms are part of life. And two, just because you're a Christian follower of Jesus does not make you exempt from the storms. We still go through storms. But this morning, I want you to take heart. Because we're going to see that the very first disciples of Jesus... Those who were closest to the Lord, those who were closest to the Son of God, went through storms. And I'm going to share one with you this morning in John chapter 6. Now what you need to know is, is this storm came after one of the most spectacular miracles in the Bible. Jesus had just fed 5,000 men and their families with five loaves of bread and two fish. And when this happened, 
People were so taken back by the miracle, they wanted to make Jesus their king. So let's catch up there in verse 14 of John chapter 6. Then the men who were a part of that miracle, they had seen the sign that Jesus did, and they said, this is truly the prophet. This is truly the Savior. This is truly the Messiah who has come into the world. And in verse 15, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, they departed again to the mountain so that he would be by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into the boat and they went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because of a great wind blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near to the boat, and they were afraid. But he, Jesus, said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at land where they were going. This story about the storm that the disciples were going through is also told in the book of Matthew and in the book of Mark. And when you put all those narratives together, you find four truths that will help me and you survive the storms. The first truth that we need to know in order to survive life's storms is we need to hang on to the purposes of God. Hang on to the purposes of God. I want you to know that it was Jesus who sent his disciples out in the storm. Nice guy, huh? Sent his closest friends out into the midst of the storm. Look in Matthew, or you don't have to look, but in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, the Bible says immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat. And go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. It was Jesus who made them get into the boat. Why would Jesus make them go out into the storm? Well, there are several reasons. But one is Jesus sent them into the storm so that they would be protected. Protected from what? Well, if you think about what the storm might have protected them from, here's what you can conclude. The disciples had they stayed on shore, would have been infected by the same short-sightedness that the other 5,000 men and their families had been infected with. They wanted to make Jesus king. Jesus here was at the very height of his success, and his disciples saw these huge crowds following him, following their master, wanting to make him king. But these disciples weren't mature enough to distinguish between popularity and success. They weren't mature enough to, to make the difference yet between Jesus just being popular to the masses and the ultimate success that he would fulfill on the cross. They were still immature. And so Jesus protected his disciples by sending them out in the storm so that they wouldn't be confronted and try to make him king with the rest of them. But we also find a reason why Jesus sends me and you into the storm. 
In 1 Peter 5.10, the Bible says that after you suffer for a short time, God who gives all grace will make everything right. He will make you strong. And He will support you and keep you from falling. You see, friend, storms make you strong. Storms make you strong. How do they make you strong? They make you strong by disciplining you. They discipline you. They make you more like a disciple. And you know, God is the perfect parent. He is the perfect parent. He looks at the storm you're going through. And listen here, he feels for you. He doesn't like it that you're going through the pain of a storm. He feels for you, but he absolutely knows that your maturity, your growth, and your progress absolutely depend on the storm. You've got to realize the purposes of God when you're in the midst of your storm. Now, there's another reason, not only to, to protect us, but also to strengthen us. But finally, Jesus sends us in the storm so that we can learn to help others. The Living Bible says it like this. What a wonderful God we have. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the source of every mercy and the one who wonderfully comforts us and strengthens us when we're in the midst of hardship and trial. Why does he do this? So that when others are troubled. When others are going through the storm, needing your sympathy, needing your encouragement, we can pass on the same help and the same comfort that we receive. We can be sure that the more we undergo sufferings, the more he will shower us with courage and blessing. You see, God doesn't send you into the storm so you can say, woe is me. God doesn't send you into the storm so you can have a little pity party. God doesn't send you into the storm to be self-centered. He sends you into the storm to be others-centered. See, life is not all about you. Most times, it's about others. And that includes going through storms. See, God needs caring hearts. God needs loving hands to minister to hurting people. And you don't have to go far in this world to see hurting people. They're all around you, aren't they? They're hurting people. So what does God do? God sends you to SU. He sends you to Storm University so you can learn how to help hurting people. Maybe you've endured a storm. Endured a storm of abuse. Maybe you've already gone through that storm of bankruptcy. Been through that storm of divorce. Maybe you've been through that storm of losing a job. Maybe you've been through that storm of physical sickness. You've already been through that storm of loneliness, of heartbreak, or of suffering. And maybe you cried out and you said, God, why have you let this happen to me? You could have stopped this storm from happening. Well, I want you to know that God's reply 
may sound something like this. My child, I am so sorry that sin has entered the perfect world I created. I am so sorry that you have felt the effects of your sin and the sin of other people. But since you've endured the storm, I need you to help somebody else get through it. After his wife, Kay, was diagnosed with cancer, Pastor Rick Warren said, life is a series of storms. You're either in one now, you're coming out of one, or you're getting ready to go into one. And the reason we go through storms, the purpose for the storm, is that God is more interested in your character than your comfort. God is more interested in making you holy than he is making you happy. He's more interested in making you more like Jesus than like the world. Now, we can be reasonably happy in this world, but that's not the goal of life. Happiness is not the goal of life. The first truth about God's purpose in the storm is to grow your character. To change your character to be more like Jesus. God's purpose for the storm is to grow you to be like Christ. And boy, storms get our attention, don't they? Storms cause change. Storms make a difference. So hang on. Hang on to the purposes of God. He's up to something in the storm, okay? But something else we need to do is cling to the presence of God. See, even though they couldn't see Jesus, Jesus was with them. How do you know, Bill? Well, here in John chapter 6, uh, in verse 16, Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got in the boat, went over to the sea toward Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Then the sea arose, and there was a great wind blowing. And in the same narrative, in, in Matthew chapter 14, in verse 23, when he, Jesus, had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Friends, listen up. This storm was no small storm. The word in Greek, seismos, same word we get about Earthquake measuring uh, apparatus, seismos, is described as what kind of storm this was. Friend, this was a hurricane. This was category five. This was the big one. This was the perfect storm. 
And these disciples had been rowing against the wind for hours, alone in the middle of the lake, miles from safety. And the waves were crashing over the boat. And the boats were filling up with water. And as they struggled against the teeth of the storm, right there in the middle of that lake, Jesus was over on the hill praying for them and for the storms that they would go through later on in their ministry. Not a thing could happen to these disciples unless Jesus allowed it. Those boys weren't going nowhere unless Jesus said it was okay. He was with them even though they didn't know it. Now, friend, listen here. You may not like the trials. You may not like the storm. But you need, say need. You need to be tested. You need to be tested. Faith must be tested before it can be trusted. Storms test our faith. Storms make us seek the presence of God. They make us go after God and depend on Him and Him alone because we feel helpless in the storm. So if storms make me depend on God, if storms make me put all my hope in God, then storms must be a pretty good thing, huh? Would you agree with that? Storms are a pretty good thing. Paul said in Romans chapter 5 that we're to glory in the storms. Glory in the storms. Why? Because tribulations produce perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Storms make us place our hope in God. And there's no better place for your hope to be. So if storms do that, storms are a pretty good thing. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, who died and rose again, is seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. What does that mean, Bill? That means that God is in, or Jesus is in heaven, and he's always talking about us to his Father. He's always talking to the Father about us. Friend, he, we are never alone. He's always talking about you. He's always talking about that storm you're going through. So hang on to the purposes of God and cling to the presence of God. But friend, in order to survive the storm, you also have to grasp the power of God. Jesus came to them in the midst of this Category 5 hurricane. He came in the midst of their storm. In John 6 and verse 19, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. And he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. In Mark chapter 6, in verse 48, Jesus saw them straining at the rowing, for the wind was against them. And now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and they cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said, be of good cheer. Right in the middle of your storm. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then he went up into the boat. And the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure. And marveled. 
and marveled. There they were struggling at the oars. Worn out after hours of rowing. And Jesus suspended the laws of nature and walked on top of the water to get to his disciples. Colossians 1.16, the Bible says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and by him. What does that mean? That means that Jesus was side by side with the Father in creation. He was right there. He was the one responsible for creation as much as the Father was. So, it was no more difficult for Jesus to walk on water than it was for him to make wine out of water or multiply five loaves and two fishes to feed 5,000 people. Jesus is God. Jesus has the power. He is God. And I read about one pastor who was teaching a Sunday school lesson. And he asked the older couple in the class about acting out the burning bush scene in the Old Testament. The husband was to be the voice of God and the wife was to be the voice of Moses. And everything went well until they got to Exodus 3.15. And the wife, as Moses, accidentally read her husband's lines. And she said, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers. And the pastor said, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute, you're not God. And without missing a beat, the husband said, I've been trying to tell her that for 40 years. You need to understand, you are not God. You are not God. You don't have the perspective of God. You don't have the thoughts of God. You don't have the ways of God. And in and of yourself, you don't have the power of God. You can't save yourself. You need the power of God. We must trust His power if we're going to be saved from the storm. And so God saves us from the storm when we hold tight to the purposes of God and when we cling to the presence of God, when we trust in the power of God. But finally today, if we're going to survive our storms, we need to hold on to the protection of God. The Bible says that Jesus got the boys safely through the storm. He protected them. Got him safely through the storm in John chapter 6, verse 20. He said to them, it's I, don't be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately they were on the other side. Matthew chapter 14, verse 33. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him and said, truly, you are the Son of God. Truly, you are the Son of God. Doesn't it bring you comfort to hear those words of Jesus saying, it is I. Don't be afraid. You need to remember that when you're in your storm. You need to hear, audibly hear, the words of Jesus speaking to you saying, I'm here. There's no reason for you to be afraid. Don't be afraid of the darkness. I'm the light. Don't be afraid of death. I'm the life. Don't be afraid of your sins. I'm your salvation. I can save you from your sins. I am your creator. I am your redeemer. I am your friend. 
I am the king of nature. I'm the king of every realm. The wind, the waves, the sea, nor any of your storms will keep my protection from you. I got you. I got you in this storm. I am the Lord. Will you trust me? I will protect you. Will you receive me? It is I, Jesus says. Don't be afraid. There's no reason for you to be afraid. I'm the Lord. You know, their lives would have been hopeless without Jesus. In the midst of their storm, they could have said, too big of a storm for me, I'm giving up. But they didn't. And the Bible says that they willingly received him into the boat. You need to know this morning that without Jesus, your life would be hopeless too. You need to know that not only would your life be hopeless, but your future would be hopeless without Jesus. Had the disciples not willingly received Jesus into the boat, their storm would have totally destroyed them. Likewise, if you don't willingly receive him, you'll be destroyed eternally. So what do we learn from this miracle? First, the obvious is, is we do, we are facing, and we will face storms. All through your life, you're going to be going through storms. They're usually unexpected. They try to tear apart marriages. They try to break down families. They can trigger fear in your heart. They remind us of how helpless we are without Jesus. Those storms, they remind us how much we need Him. But if we will hang on to the purposes of God then you will begin to recognize the presence of God. And when you recognize the presence of God, all of a sudden now you're going to start experiencing the power of God. And when you start experiencing the power of God, then you become very able to trust in the protection of God. And you'll be able to say, I don't have a thing to worry about in this storm because I belong to Jesus. So what was the purpose that Jesus came for? He came to save you from your sins. Not to condemn you, but to save you from your sins. Why? 
so that you could enjoy the very presence of God throughout eternal life. That was the purpose. Also, so that you could experience the power of God in your life right now. But also, so that you could trust Him to protect you through the storms of life. The only question that remains this morning is do you trust Him? The only question that remains this morning is, do you trust Jesus as your Savior from sin and the Lord of your life? If you haven't, the Bible addresses that and says, Behold, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. So if the Lord is leading you to make a decision that will change your life, whether you've been a long-time member of the church or you've never been a member of any church, today can be your day of salvation. So let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for saving us from our storms. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will speak through the power of the Holy Spirit into every life that's in this room. Lord, that you would help us right now to address.